Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi everyone and welcome to the Irish Times Food Month podcast. We're delighted to bring you this podcast over the coming weeks, exploring what we cook, order when we're out and what we pick up at our local off-license. I'm your host, Lily Higgins, and I've been writing about food here at the Irish Times for going on five years now, and there's still so much more to write. For this episode, we're getting the inside scoop on what it's like to eat food and then write about it with the brilliant Catherine Cleary, the Irish Times restaurant critic. Hi, Catherine. You're welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Um, I'm sure loads of people would really want to pick your brains on your job because obviously it sounds really cushy, but I would say it's very, very difficult to do. Well, loads of people want to come with me when I'm doing my job because that's the nice bit. <laughs> that's the nice bit. <laughs> Can I come too? Um, I never think of you as being a restaurant critic, but rather like a restaurant reviewer. Um, I think you're really fair and observant, and um, you're just—it's never negative. You know, it's I always need really to get the observant. knife out a bit more than maybe. Just <laughs> yeah. Sharpen but I think my you edges. You never say something less. You need to say it. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I realise how difficult it is even to make pretty bad food. It's it's quite a lot yeah. of work goes into it. Um, and I think you have to be fair to somebody who's putting themselves on a plate, um, you know, and if you're judging it to be lacking in somewhere, you, you just have to you choose your words, um, I think, carefully. Yeah. There's enough abuse out there without me adding to it. I know, I think so. But then at the same time, I'm working for the reader rather than for the restaurant. So, yeah. Restaurants would love me to come in. I get often get asked, "Will you come to my restaurant?" And part of my brain thinks, "Are you sure you want me to come to your restaurant? But is your, you know, is your restaurant really good? Because if it isn't, ready I'm, for me? <laughs> <laughs> Are you clearly ready?" Um, <laughs> so you know, that's that's the balance that has to be struck. I have yeah. to I have to say honestly, if. Uh, a reader is going to go to this restaurant and enjoy it. Um, and if I don't feel that's the case, then I have to say that. Yeah, because I know, um, like with three small kids, I don't get out that often, Catherine. <laughs> so whenever I go anywhere, I always yeah. think, you know, where would Catherine go? And, you know, I don't want to waste a night out, you know, the potential. So I really do rely on you for being like a strong, true voice out there. Um, you and all my family, I get 17 WhatsApp messages. Where should I go I'd when I'm... So. <laughs> yeah, like, I just dealt with one this morning, actually, for a friend. So um, That's what I was going to say. It's just the age of chip advisor and social media. Everyone's sort of become a food critic. Um, and that's really great that, you know, you're never sponsored or you're never being paid to to go somewhere that you're just an independent voice. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's more important than ever um, that we have you and that's why we love you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Catherine. Well, <laughs> well when I took over this gig, uh, what, eight years ago now, wow. everybody was predicting that uh, like the restaurant critic is the dodo or the dinosaur. Nobody really? needs restaurant critics anymore because everybody's like, we've got these citizen critics. And, you know, it's great. People can say what they think about food and yeah. that did open up a whole platform for all kinds of voices, lots mm-hmm. of great bloggers, lots of really interesting people who get to way more places than, a, you know, a restaurant critic working for a weekly paper, which is what I am, um, can get to yeah. 50 places a year. So, you know, it's expanded mm-hmm. everybody's knowledge of what's out there. Um, but there's also an awful lot of noise and yeah. there's an awful lot of um, commercial interests that mm-hmm. gravitate towards that. Um, yeah. 
we are lucky in the Irish Times that we are not paid by anybody to say anything nice about them. Um, so, you know, that's that makes the difference for a journalist who goes in to review a restaurant. And I keep I keep banging on about that, but I won't bang on <laughs> too loud and too long about but it. But I think it's um, like my mother always said, like, you know, the cream rises to the top. So if you're really good at what you do, you'll stand out anyway. So well, not yeah, to worry I mean, about the noise. Well, that, uh, yeah, I think that's probably a motto for our age. You just keep your head down and do your job as well yeah. as you can rather than trying to be something uh, you know, there's no point in me pretending to be down with kids and, you know, out there first through the door yeah. in the next big area. You know, I, I think it's a more considered thing. I, I think it's a longer. I mean, I write 900 words as opposed to, you know, a tweet or a, a blog post. Exactly. So, um, my my aim is always I really love it when somebody says to me, I really enjoyed that reading that restaurant review. That's yeah. that's what I like. I like readers to enjoy reading it. I love reading restaurant reviews of places that I will never go to. But I love and I, I, I recognise the craft that's gone into making them entertaining and readable. Yeah. That doesn't have to be at the expense of somebody who's trying to run a business. So, yeah. you know, I try and get the balance between the two. And I think a good review makes you almost feel like you're there as well. That's it. You know, you're yeah, sharing yeah. the experience with them. I mean, them. I started my days in the newsroom and they, they had what they call colour pieces. I don't know if that's still here in the digital age, but you would be sent and I was sent to write a lot of colour pieces. So, you know, there would be a big news event. The news reporter or the political reporter would be there doing the hard news and I would be the colour reporter. And the colour was describing what it was like to be there. Um, and I often think of restaurant reviewing a little bit like that. It is kind of describing what it's like to be there. It's about the time of year. It's about the people. It's about all of that in this moment stuff that we, we you know, I have scene. the absolute privilege of being able to sit down and describe every week. Did you decide on what style you were going for? Or did it just evolve over time? I think I probably tried to adopt a sort of um, <laughs> kind of. Slightly more pompous version of myself when I started. And, you know, there is there are all of the kind of um, framework around, you know, you you give your dining companion a clever pseudonym. I kind of I tried that. I I, I think I typed something and then looked at it and cringed and thought, actually, I don't (laughs) think I can I don't think I can get away with that. So I've always just called them friend, husband or by their name or, you know, whatever. I've only had the one husband, but, you know, um, (laughs) your husbands are friends. (laughs) So, yes, I think that idea of the voice is something because obviously it's it's a column that has a persona, um, which I think yeah. readers come to like and they come mm-hmm. to know what they expect from it. I don't I don't think that, you know, I think you can get a bit boring about that and you can get stuck in a rush and, you know, it's almost like an algorithm will write it if, if you don't move it along a bit. But, yeah, certainly, you know, as somebody who'd come from journalism where the word I and me yeah. never appeared in my copy, you know, to actually start putting the word I and me yeah. into my copy was we interesting. We ordered drinks. We ordered drinks. <laughs> so we drank our heads off. Um, and... <laughs> Yes. Um, so and and even just that nice kind of talking to the reader a little bit more directly yeah. um, is nice. And I've certainly been influenced by online writing a lot in that as well. And that I think that personal voice and that personal yeah. experience is what people gravitate f- towards because, yeah. you know, a lot of it is being written by the algorithms today. So, you know, it is still the human the human experience that we, we gravitate towards. A few years ago, I was a food writer for a Sunday paper and I had to fill in for the restaurant critic um, for about two months. And it was so difficult, you know, because, <laughs> I, you know, I love my food, obviously, and I just wanted to have my dinner, basically. And I was just, oh, I can't forget, I should be taking notes or something. Yeah. Or I should be kind of tasting this more consciously or, you know, I, I shouldn't just be looking around or listening to the conversation at the next table. And um, how do you focus and do you have a notebook with you? Or um, I used to, back in the old days, I used to have a notebook, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a bit like 
coming in wrapped in Detective a flag going, oh, I'm here. Because, you know, and I've had friends say, oh, yeah, I'll take a notebook out the next time because the service, you know, definitely steps up a notch. Um, so now I can I can just be that rude person on my phone, um, ignoring my yeah, like, dining company. Like everybody like else? Most, everybody, yeah, I blend in completely. Um, I tried taking photographs for a while, but I found, mm. I think I have a memory that works with words rather than pictures. So I found yeah. I need a couple of keywords Um the phone is really handy to take a photograph of the menu as well because oh, yeah. um, some of them are, you know, fifteen hundred words long. So you don't want to have to, mm-hmm. you don't want to have to type. And and again, you don't you don't want to have to tell the reader every single element of the dish that you yeah. ate. I think that can also be mind-numbingly uh, difficult to get to the bottom of. Um, so yeah, but yes, you do realize sometimes I often have to deliberately make myself uh, put a note as to whether there is music or uh, you know. Uh, something about the look of the place because I think the yeah. better the food is the more you don't notice those things um, yeah you zone and out and just focus on you zone out yeah and if it's a particularly gossipy night with a friend yeah. or something as well I do have to draw back and say actually I'm, I need to just I'm working I'm working yeah yes. serious, just leave me. serious moment here um, and yeah you have such amazing attention to detail actually so, so I always imagine you you know <laughs> typing away um, so my niece is a massive fan of Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmare which is a nightmare to me as well but usually he just goes in there and he changes up the menu he looks at this incredibly long menu and he just says this is a disaster you know you can't do all this so I think I could imagine you doing a brilliant Irish version and are you ever tempted to just go in there and say to people this could be fantastic if you just you know take a load off the menu yeah. and focus on local ingredients or you know um, any TV producers uh, Lily is now my agent um, <laughs> so just contact Lily Higgins uh, she's all over Instagram um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't imagine anything worse than having to be a TV person doing that, you know, arc of the Even story. As a consultancy. Um, a consultancy. You, know, you do, genius, you do you know. itch, especially when places are good, but they could mm. be so much better with so many small changes. Yeah. You do itch to kind of say, couldn't you just take the butter out of the fridge a half an hour before and it would be soft yeah. and that would, you know, mean so much more. Uh, and I know some, you know, some people go down that road because they do get that expertise. They, they've done it. They've done it with a certain eye that, mm-hmm. you know, most people who are just out for a night out don't bring to the to the gig. So, yeah, I do. I do sometimes think, gosh, yes, I wouldn't mind giving. But, yeah, it's crossing a line from being I the know. journalist who goes in to report on yeah. it. Um, and they should pay you to do it as well. <laughs> They? they pay me way much more than that. Um, the menu, like that makes a very good impression as well. I always sort of sit down and either my shoulders just drop and I just think, oh, pass me the drinks menu or else it's, um, it's sometimes it can be too frilly. You know, the chicken is, you know, twice plucked corn fried, hand rolled or else it's really, pan really fried. stark. Pan fried. It's a great one. Hand fried by hand. Yeah. Um, or else it's just really, really simple and it's just like, uh, you know, bass, saffron. Samphire, yeah. and I'm just, you know, thinking: Are there side dishes, and do I get spuds with it, yeah. or what's happening? Or, you know, but I wonder what's the perfect because you know you do want to know certain things like the way it's cooked and yeah. the cut of meat and things like that. But there is it can a become sweet, too sweet spot between the novella and the haiku, and I think <laughs> probably, yeah, I think menus that use a little bit more like crunchy or crispy. It is a bit, it, do, it can be overdone. Yeah. But I think they definitely, and, and the menu, if it's good and if, if the food is good, I think the menu starts to get your juices flowing and get you yeah. anticipating, especially if you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and the best menus are the ones where you just say, actually, I want to come back and have everything and yeah. two of everything. Um, so I prefer shorter. Um, 
because I think yeah, we just live in, with such information overload. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the the sort of nomic single word, um, you know, asparagus. Yeah, uh, know. <laughs> and then something comes out with asparagus in 15 different uh, iterations. That's got its own, you know, that that's def- well. yeah, it has its yeah. own place and it can be fun and it can be, uh, but a lot of work needs to go into that. I mean, my yeah. favourite menus are this, the menu in Assassination Custard is written on the back of a sweet packet, you know, those brown paper bags right. that you yeah. got your quarter of sweets in. Um, because... They've gone to the market or to McNally's and picked up the vegetables and that's what's there. And, you know, they're cooking it and they're, they're just writing it in response. every day. Yeah, they're writing it, handwriting it in response to what's in the fridge or on the farm or in the field. And that's and that's faked by so many other places. But yeah. when it's done properly, you just go, yeah, this is my kind of menu. Yeah, they haven't used a handwriting font yeah. to their handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> and what Irish produce do you love at the moment? I have a bit of a bread thing going on at the moment. Um, bread Nation, who are on Pierce Street. I know they were in here doing a, a workshop here. and I, I miss the workshop. Yeah. I'd love to have been here for it. But my there's a lovely little tiny local cafe is open near me called Marlow & Co. And they get a delivery from Bread Nation in the mornings. Um, the owner gave me a loaf because uh, she was closing up and, you know, she said, do you want to take a loaf? And uh, it was a bit like the crack dealer giving you the first hit Yum. for free because <laughs> I thought, OK, I'm, you know, I'm now have to buy this bread. You're going to be hanging around at the end of the day. All the time. Any leftover loaves? <laughs> <laughs> so bread, milk. I'm very, I'm being very plain food, Mossfield milk I'm obsessed Brilliant. with. Oh, and yeah. the co-op, That's the food co-op, others. the wonderful, it's not, it's pasteurised, but it's That's not right. homogenised. Okay. And I've met the cows. Um, oh, I lovely. Down, I was down on race You meet farm. the cows, there's no going back, the Catherine. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, and it's just, the most delicious milk and I watch it change colour over the year as the cows are moving out yeah. onto the grass and the, it gets creamier and, and we've been here we've been on a milk um, drag together know. we have um, Hearns have the um, organic raw milk it's from Jersey cows that's right it's, it's basically half cream you know it's yeah. absolutely beautiful yeah. so like I've been you know running into the kitchen screaming like don't shake the bottle you no, know no, absolutely <laughs> and, and that's such a beautiful I mean that's I think that's the only purebred Jersey herd in the, in the country oh, really? and they've just been farming organically for the last three years I think since the quota was lifted so they're an amazing operation yeah you know, I think it, I mean done. that's where it starts is with the basics yeah. you know bread and milk um, yeah. absolutely beautiful um, so I was going to say the during the recession the VAT rate for restaurants was lowered to nine percent, mm-hmm. um, but last October's budget was raised fifty percent to thirteen point five percent. A lot of percentages. Yes. Basically, <laughs> what do you think the new um, higher VAT rate is going to have? Like, what effect will it well, have? Unfortunately, it comes in on the first of January, which is a really bad time mm. um, because restaurants are. You know, obviously there's been a Christmas eating out boom. Um, yeah. A lot of restaurants actually close for a week or two, maybe at the start of January. So it's just the doldrums. Um, everybody's trying to, you know, not eat or eat less yeah. or and everybody's broke. So I think restaurants, I mean, the thing is prices have already been climbing in the year before the VAT increase mm-hmm. anyway. So it may be that um, I think the restaurant industry probably knew that the axe was, was going coming. to fall on that. Yeah. Um, it would have probably fallen a year earlier were it not for fears about tourist numbers and Brexit. Um, because effectively it was only introduced as a year long measure and then it kept just being renewed um, to, to help the industry. And I think the feeling was that it's it's a tax break that costs the exchequer an awful lot of money and mm. it benefits people who can afford to go out and eat and maybe that's not the fairest tax. Now that sounds like I'm, I'm you know, PR for Pascal Donoghue, but um, I think on the other hand, on the other side, restaurants are, I mean, especially in Dublin, there's been such an expansion of restaurants. Yeah. I think if there is going to be, you know, casualties from this rise, they will happen in Dublin because 
you know, there are two things happening. There are so many more new restaurants and there are so few staff to run mm-hmm. them that, you know, it's it's really, it's a knife edge thing to try and keep the quality up. So yeah. I think if they start charging uh, a whack of extra money from January, then things could get a little less um, thriving in the, the Dublin scene. I know. Well, because, I mean, it has benefited everyone, like from producers, like who are supplying the restaurants to people who are yeah. being employed there. So um, we just have to wait and see. There's another column in it, I'd say, there now. Um, February, maybe. Um, <laughs> um, so with Christmas coming, I was going to ask you, what's the perfect present for the food lover in your life? Well, um, back to my bread uh, obsession, a bread course. If you go to a sourdough yeah. making course and then just come and live with me and make my sourdough. Every Jordan, morning. Yeah. have you been down there? Jordan, I haven't, but I, oh, love, I love the sound of what they're doing. It's, yeah, it's I brilliant. did it and um, I absolutely loved it. I did it with my sister and I was just absolutely obsessed yeah, yeah. and was making amazing bread. I must get back to it now. Um, well, this is it. You do, you kind of, winter. I mean, it takes a lot of, of time and there is Firehouse Bakery doing the same yes. thing and they're doing it on an island as well, doing some which must be amazing. There's uh, Shane Palmer in, in Scale Bakery. They they have mm. again their bread is astonishing so yeah if you've got somebody who loves bread give them as you know a bread making course because they're, they're not very expensive yeah and it you know you then come away with a starter and you know great intentions to bake every day which you might not and <laughs> um, the other thing I got I got it from my sister-in-law a couple of years ago because she got two for Christmas and uh, she lives in they live in England so I put it in my suitcase and it weighed I'd say a good 12 kilos but it was massive stone mortar and pestle I don't know the, the mark of it because we took it out of the packaging and she just got two. she got two yeah I think she, I don't know whether <laughs> I think she might have mentioned it to a couple yeah, of people exactly, yeah. and then uh, and then two of them came um, but it just it's just fantastic because I my allotment which I used to have has shrunk down to a box where I grow a lot of herbs and things yeah. and you know if you can just take a handful of those and some olive oil and and you know you're boiling the pasta and you just crush them up in the mortar but it just it's just added so is much is it completely different than you know using a food processor to blitz up pesto it's it is just, you're not taking the faffy thing out of the drawer and having to wash it after you, yeah. afterwards you know like food processors are amazing but I just I resent the washing up that they I involve I, I was in that exact situation Yes, yes, so, <laughs> terrible situation. I was like, well, I just chop everything. Well, I just yeah, and it's I the washing of, up. Yeah, I did a knife skills course actually with a friend in the Dublin Cookery School, which I really enjoyed. Yes. And I now love chopping an onion because I, you know, I kind of I have that scene from <laughs> Julie and Julia, you know, where she goes through the onions yeah, um, and goes yes. things. <laughs> and and when you're taught how chefs properly chop an onion, it's actually quite soothing and meditative, yeah. meditative to chop an onion yeah. Um, so yeah I'm back to I'm back to Stone Age implements basically in my kitchen the more, the more electrical if we, if we lose power I'm, I'm fully functional you'd be fine you'd be your mortar and pestle <laughs> um, and cookbooks are very good oh yes cookbooks thank you Lily um, <laughs> I um, I mean it's an oldie but my favourite cookbook would be Nigel's Kitchen Diaries I kind of yes. open it on the day of the of the year sometimes just for a little soothing dip the style of writing is just beautiful it's Amazing. I mean, the one for today, I have his Kitchen Diaries second mm-hmm. volume and the one for today, I just had a look at it this morning um, for soothing reasons. Um, mm-hmm. He spends three paragraphs talking about uh, frying onions and you just go and read it. It's the 14th of November entry in the Kitchen Diaries number Lovely. two. And it's just, and you think, uh, he just talks about how everybody thinks onions can be fried in five minutes and they can't. And this is, yeah. if you do them for half an hour, this is how they taste and this is how they look. You don't actually have to go away and fry any onions. You almost feel like you've done it <laughs> and tasted it and by reading him. So I love him. Um, if I can plug one of my own books, uh, a co-authored book with Seamus and, and Kevin Sheridan, there's the Sheridan's Guide to Cheese. I think cheese is a great Christmas present as well, Yum. like a hamper of exquisite cheeses um, mm. that, you know, you might 
eke out in those days when there's lots of leftovers in the fridge. There's nothing better than having cheese to go with those yes. leftovers. And a copy of my book, uh, The Sheridan's Guide to, to Cheese, with to go with That's a lovely <laughs> our, present. Our book, sorry, Kevin and Seamus. Um, I had their Montour actually recently. Amazing. Oh, yeah. It's nice. It's one of those it's comforts so nice. of winter, you know. You yeah. can't think, oh, it's cold outside, but there's Montour and I can put it in the oven. That's so smug. It's such a smug thing to say, but... Um, um, and then my latest book, uh, again, co-authored, if people, it's nothing to do with food, although it is to do with comfort and yeah. sustenance, is Alice Leahy's memoir, The Stars Are Only Warmth. Um, and she's been working with homeless people in Dublin for nearly 50 years. And it's the story of her life. Um, and actually, her mother was involved in setting up the first Irish country markets in Feathered oh, in really? 1947. Yeah. And it was a really interesting venture, all based around giving women on farms an income, you know, yeah. they, uh, specifically for selling cakes and eggs and all the things that so they bring. Important. And it's still running today in the same town where she set it up. Really? So, yeah. There's, there, actually, when I said there's no food in it, there is. There is food in it. Yeah. There's lots more too. Um, I love the Countrywomen's Association, all those markets I love. They're amazing. They? They're amazing you know? entrepreneurs. I mean, they they're social. In, to- in um, newspaper yeah. and yeah. they have uh, like big bunches of carrots and it's it's very different to a farmer's market, I think. Yeah. It's, it, oh, and they, they're very specific about that. It's not a farmer's yeah. market. It's a country market. And yeah. so it's about cooking in your kitchen and bringing it to the stall and, and you know, connecting into that. Still that, that life of connection that, that there is in rural Ireland you know that yeah. we forget about or we romanticise or somewhere in between <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have two questions from listeners as well Catherine because um, I put it out there that I was going to be meeting you um, and Damien emailed me and he said hi Damien, hi, Damien. big shout out from Catherine <laughs> um, he said my wife loves seafood and her birthday is in January I'd love to bring her somewhere amazing for the weekend and I'm willing to go anywhere in Ireland oh, I must really love her she will be 50 Oh my end. goodness! Does Damien love seafood? Though I'm worried about him not eating. I think he is um, in a panic that his <laughs> wife is going to be fifty in January, and he hasn't got anything planned. So he wants to bring her somewhere amazing, and does he want to bring her somewhere amazing in January? Or I would say in January. So I'm thinking if you love seafood, why not go on a like a book an angler or somebody to go out oh, and actually yeah. catch Lovely fish? Day. I mean, the best fish experience I ever had uh, was on Galley Head, and the people in the house next door to us, we were in one of the lighthouse cottages. Yeah, they caught fresh mackerel and they had so many they obviously just jumped into the boat nearly it was that time of the year um, and I'd never tasted mackerel that fresh I'd never tasted it that fresh out of the sea um, so that might be um, on a more slightly less sort of adventurous level I mean there's so so many great fish places to go now Michael's is such a great fish restaurant yeah. um, in South platter. Dublin a huge platter and it's yeah. just done uh, you know, really, really well. It's amazing. It's amazingly sourced and then it's brilliantly cooked and that's exactly what you want with fish. Um, the more city centre place would be the fish shop on Ben Burb Street, which I love as well. Oh, yeah. Both their operations, they're, one is slightly posher than the other, but they're both really good. And top tip, get in there before the vat increase. Yes. Well, bring her in December. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and then James sent me a direct message on Instagram and he said, are people afraid to cook for you? And are you critical of your own cooking? Um... Yes and yes, uh, but not so critical of my own cooking that I can't actually, you know, get, get over myself. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, people do say, oh, how can I cook for you? And I said, like people, when I don't have to cook it myself and I don't have to write about it, that is my ideal I'm meal. Same. So, yeah, you know, if you put it in front of me and it's not, you know, incinerated, it would be perfect. Yeah, it would um, be lovely. A lovely yeah. surprise just lovely to have something surprise. served up. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, people do kind of think, oh, you know, 
maybe that's why I haven't been that invited to that many dinner parties recently, <laughs> friends. Um, <laughs> it's suddenly all making sense. Um, but no, I don't. I and, and often I'll go out to eat in restaurants where I'm not working and yeah. you'll see a kind of a flicker of terror come it's across somebody's off. face and you do want a little sign that it's OK, I'm off duty or yeah. whatever. But, um, you know, that's always a joy as well, just to be able to go and natter and yeah, exactly. Now, if your phone isn't on the table, that means you're on a night out. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that might be the sign, actually. Um, well, thank you so much to my lovely guest, Catherine Cleary. You'll find her work on the Irish Times website, in the Irish Times magazine on Saturday, and on Instagram at Catherine Eats. Catherine, thanks a million. Thank you. Thank you. Join us on our next podcast when we'll be talking to Sirica Hamilton, Beerista with the Irish Times. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.